What a wonderful name it is. He has no rival. He has no equal. He's God all by himself. And we come to bow down and worship him. And we come to realize his amazing grace that saved us from our sin, from self, and from destruction. What a powerful name we have. Jesus Christ, our King. At that name, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess to God be the glory. So, Father God, we come in that name, that matchless name of Jesus the Christ, asking that you might speak to your people today. That whatever problems they're going through, your name is powerful. That you're more wonderful, you're more powerful than any heartache, any hurt, difficulty, any disappointment. So, Father God, would you move and speak to your people today that they may look to Jesus, the author and finisher of their faith, that they might realize your power today, and that they might give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What a wonderful name it is. The name of Jesus. One day I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing. might chase you guys out, but one day I feel like singing. They just said make a joyful noise. Again, me and Pastor are doing this series with uh, prayer and psalms. And like I said, the first two weeks, we will hear those eight essentials that we did from last essential constantly. The first week, we talked more about the sovereignty of God. Last week, Pastor Dave talked more about man, and God, and man. Because man, if man would open the gate and the doors of their heart, God would come in and flood their heart. Amen? But we know from the last series, the next essential was sin. Amen? And for even for us as believers, sin is a reality. And sin something we have to deal with. And sin separates us from a powerful and a wonderful God. And the only hope for sin is repentance. Amen? And if it repentance is going down the wrong road, and realizing you're going down the wrong road and turning back, then brokenness is the vehicle on which you get there. Amen? Brokenness is the vehicle in which you get there. If, if you, said, if you're going down the highway, brokenness is the offshoot. It's the off-ramp. So you can get off the highway and get back on. Amen? And if you would turn to Psalms 51, we, we, we will see David as a broken man. Amen? And brokenness is a good place to be. Amen? Psalms 51, I'm going to read the whole chapter 
Mark and then go back and to the script. If you don't mind. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this deed, this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest be justified when thy speakest, and be clear when thy judgment. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with this son, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be, be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and gladness that the bones that thou hast broken may rejoice. That the bones that thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out my iniquity. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. And renew the right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors their way. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God. Thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of that righteousness. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thy desire, thy desire not sacrifice, or else I would give it. Thou delight not in burn off. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. O oh God, thou wilt not despise. Do good in thy good pleasure to Zion. Build thy walls of Jerusalem. Then shall thou be pleased with sacrifices of righteousness, with burnt offerings and with whole burnt offerings. Then shall the offer the bullock upon thy altar. David's a broken man. David's a broken man. And if, if you look at your the top of that psalm, it should give a description on why he's broken. He, it, it says, this is a, let me get to it. It says, to the chief musician, a psalm of David, when Nathan the prophet came to him after he had gone into Bathsheba. Okay? And this story is found in 2 Samuel. Chapter 11 and chapter 12. Ch chapter 11 gives you the acts. Turn to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And it says, and it came to pass after a year was expired. Some of the newer versions says it was springtime. Okay? It, it was springtime. When, when, when kings would go off the battle. Okay? But, but David didn't go off the battle. He sent Joab and his men to battle. Okay? And David stayed at Jerusalem. And, and it came to pass at evening time that David arose and walked on his roof and seized this woman bathing. And he desired her and won her and sinned for her. It's very interesting. That I see something here. It was springtime when kings would go out to war with their men. David's out of place. 
David's out of place. When you're out of place, you're in trouble. He's off his foes. That's a good playground for the devil. So he sees this woman bathing from his rooftop, and he calls for her, and he sends for her, and he lies with her. And it depends on what commentaries you're looking at and what text you're reading. Listen, if the king calls you, you come. Okay? Now, whether she was implicit in the act or not, some commentators say it was rape. I don't want to be vulgar up here, but some commentators say so. All right? So he takes her, and he has her for himself. And she goes back home, and she finds out that she's pregnant. She's with child. And she sends word to the king that she's with child. And David calls Joab, the sergeant of the army, and says, let me back up a minute. When he called for her, one of his servants that he told to go get her, said, David, isn't that Bathsheba, Iliam's daughter, the wife of Uriah, the Hittite? That should have checked him right there. He should have backed up and said, how can I do that? That's somebody's wife. That's somebody's daughter. But no, he invoked his kingly privilege. So when she's pregnant, he calls for his, he calls Joab and says, send Uriah to me. Uriah comes to the king's house, has a meal with the king, and sit down and eat and drink with the king. And the king says, Uriah, go home from your long journey and spend some time with your wife. The perfect cover-up. But Uriah would not go home to his wife. He slept on the king's doorstep. And the king, when the king found out that he didn't go home, he said, what's the deal? Why don't you go home? You've been at war doing a good job. Go home and be rewarded. He says, the ark of God is intense. And my comrades are out in open field fighting for Israel. How can I go home and enjoy my A man of integrity. The king had none, but Uriah had integrity. Amen? So the king gives Uriah his own death notice to take to Joab. Gives him a letter to give to Joab. And the letter, when Joab opened the letter, the letter says, go into the heat of battle and send Uriah on the front line and retreat from him. One sent on top of of another. Who, who would do such a thing? Think if Uriah was your son, if Bathsheba was your daughter, the outrage you would have that he's going to provoke his kingly privilege on my child. Turn to chapter 12. So we see what happens. So God sends Nathan the prophet to David. And Nathan tells David this parable. And he says there were two men from the same city, one rich, one poor. Rich man had abundance of lamb and cattle and, and herds and property and, and blank. And this poor man had one little few land that he cherished, that, that ate from his table, that he held in his bosom. And, 
and yet he treated as his only daughter. And Nathan says, and then the rich man had a traveler come visit him. And instead of taking one of his own land that he had in abundance, he takes the poor man, one little you land, kills it, slain it, dresses it, and feeds to his guests. And David is outraged. David is outraged and said, this man is deserving the death. And Nathan said, you are the man. You are the man. Because you took Uriah's wife. Here you had plenty of wives and concubines. And you send him out in battle and kill him. You, you the man. You the man. One little piece I want to point out. And look, look at David's response in verse 13. And David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said to David, The Lord has put away thy sin. Thou shalt not. The Lord has, the Lord has overlooked this horrible incident. If that was your daughter, you would be outraged. Your bride was your son, you would be furious. How can he overlook that? The only reason this works because it works for us. Turn to Romans chapter 3, verses 24 to 26. Being justified freely. That word justified being declared righteous. Just as if you've never sinned. And none of us can make that claim. Being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set to be a propitiation through faith in his blood, to declare that the righteousness for the remission of sin that are passed through the forbearance of God, to declare, I say this, at this time, his righteousness, that he may be just, and the justifier of him which believes in Jesus Christ. Because Jesus Christ is just, and he's also the justifier. He paid for our sins. So he justified. But David's broken. David's broken. And a year later, he comes to Psalm. 51, and he writes Psalm 51. One year later, and look what he says. Verse 1, have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercy. Blot out my transgression. Next verse. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Next verse. No, this verse one and two. I'm sorry, Mark. Go back to one. David did not appeal to God on his accomplishment. He, he, he could have said, God, I, I'm the one that stood up to Goliath when that Philistine giant that came against Israel and against the God. I'm the one who said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine to come up against the Most High God? And he took a slingshot and one smooth stone. He had five, but he only needed one. 
He, he didn't come on his accomplishments. He, he didn't say, when, when Saul wanted to kill me, I didn't touch your anointing. I, I refrained from that. He didn't come on his accomplishments. He came on the only thing he could. Have mercy on me. Have mercy. Mercy is not getting what you deserve. If you got what you deserve, you deserve death because of your sin. He says, have mercy on me. That's the only thing I hope, that you have mercy on me. For the sin I committed, have mercy on me. According to your loving kindness, according to your tender mercy, not nothing that I've done, but according to who you are, have mercy on me. My only hope is in you. And he says, blot out my transgressions. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my sin and cleanse me from my Blot out. This is an accounting term. Clean the slate. Wipe it out. Take it off the books. Blot out my transgression. And, and wash me thoroughly. I don't think any of you ladies old enough remember you going down to the lake with a washboard. But that's the picture. Wash me thoroughly and scrub me. Because I'm stained. And he says, cleanse me. Cleansing was ceremonial. So I can be used for service again. Cleanse me. Until you wash me and cleanse me, I, I'm no use for you or to nobody else. So he prayed for cleansing. He prayed for cleansing. Verse 3. He's broken because of his memory. He says, I acknowledge my sin. I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. I, I can't get it out of my mind. It keeps playing back over and over and over again. And that's why I can still remember. And I was telling my daughter a couple last month, we were riding in the Audubon and we seen where Corvette used to be, and I can remember as a preteen being arrested for shop It just plays back over in my mind. And you, you can remember the little white lie you told your parents. You can remember when your mom told you don't eat the cookie before dinner, and you did it anyway. It just keeps playing back in your mind. I know you say, but what about the scripture? God throws it through the sea of forgetfulness. He throws it for us from the east and from the west. Yes, God does it. But you still remember it. God forgets it, but you, you don't. And I'm so glad you don't. Because if you could forget it, you couldn't testify of the goodness of God. Every time I go back to camp and see them guys I used to run with, I'm reminded of how, where he brought me from. I'm reminded of his, of his amazing grace. I'm reminded of what he, he saved me from, a life of crime and addiction. You can't have my memories. 
because it speaks of the goodness of God. Look what he says from verses 4 to 6. Against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight, that thou mayest, that thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and and then sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desire truth in the inward part, and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Go back to four, Mark. Thank you. Oh. Verse four. He, he vindicates God and not himself. Look what he says. That God may be, may be justified when he speaks and clear when he judges. He said, God, you, you judge me. And whatever you do is all right with me. He said, I acknowledge my sin against thee and thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. How can he say that? What about Bathsheba? What about your wife? What about the baby that died because of this act? Collateral damage. Collateral damage. The sin is against God. Yes, Uriah was violated. Yes, Uriah was murdered. And Bathsheba was violated. People get hurt in the process, but sins against God. It was God who said, thou shalt not steal. It was God that said, thou shalt not commit adultery. And when we see our, our sin as an affront to God, we ought to be broken people. He acknowledged his sin. It's against God. Not only does he take accountability for his sin, he says, not only my personal sin, there's something about me Something that, that, that's in me that has me twisted and, and bent towards sin. He said, behold, verse 5, Mark. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity. The word iniquity is bent or twisted. I was shaped in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. When you first read it, you think he's talking about your mother having you out of wedlock. But no, we know by one of our memory verses, by one man sin ended the world. And death by sin, so death passed upon all men. We all come born into this world with a sinful nature. We have this bent towards sin. He says, not only I recognize the act, but there's something inwardly this inborn sin that I need you to deal with. He says God deals with the inward. He deals with the inward. See, we want to cover up. We want to put a Band-Aid on everything. We want to put a little makeup and some lipstick on it. But God wants to deal with the inward. Verse 6. Behold, I desire truth in the inward part. And in the hidden part, thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Lord, if, if you deal with me in the inward part, maybe then I'll have a little wisdom. Maybe then I'll stop falling in the same ditch week after week, day after day. but I need you to do something inwardly so I can have some wisdom.
what he says from 7 to 9. He, he, make me to, to, to joy over your discipline. See? Nobody likes to be disciplined. No child likes to be disciplined. No employee likes to be disciplined. No spouse likes to be disciplined. But he says, make me to have joy in your discipline. Huh? Because my Bible says that if God's your father, he disciplines you. And if he's not, you're illegitimate. What father doesn't discipline their children? A father that doesn't love their children. Well, look what he says from 7 to 9. Purge me with hyssop, and I should be clean. Wash me, and I should be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness, that the bones that thou hast broken, that the bones that thou hast broken, that the bones that thou hast broken, may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sin and blot out my That word hyssop, it's, it's a cleansing. And what they did, they took like a, like a branch and they dipped it in blood. And when, um, if a house was, had some kind of evil spirits or something, you couldn't go in there because of some kind of growth or some kind of disease. And once it was clean, he would sprinkle the blood over the house to let you know it was now clean. If a leper had leprosy and once they did the ritual stuff and was clean and no longer had, they would sprinkle the blood. So he says, purge me with his Only blood I want sprinkled on me is the blood of my king, Jesus the Christ. I should be clean, wash me, and I should be whiter than snow. Make me to hear the joy and gladness that the bone, as you discipline me, let me hear joy and gladness. Because when you discipline me, you let me know that I'm yours. And that, that, that's enough to make me rejoice. Because now I'm accepted in the beloved. Hide thy face from my sin and wipe the record clean. Only God can do it. Because Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain, but So I rejoice over that. And then he says, restore the fellowship that I experience and the joy of my salvation. Look what he says in verses 10, 11, and 12. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. And uphold me with thy free spirit. Create in me a clean heart. There's something wrong with this heart. Jeremiah says the heart is deceitfully above all things and desperately wicked. Who, who can know it? I, I need you, God, to create in me a clean heart. Because this one I got from birth is deceitful and wicked and revengeful. But I need you to create in me a clean heart and renew a 
right spirit in me. Cast me not away from thy presence. Cast me not away from thy presence. And take not that Holy Spirit from me. Now we as believers are a little different from what David understood that to be. See, we know we have the indwelling spirit with us now. But uh, for us, this, this means uh, allow your spirit to keep God in me and directing me. But for David, he didn't have the indwelling spirit. The spirit came upon him to do certain tasks. The presence of God was there in the Ark of the Covenant. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. Last Wednesday, we were reading about the Ark of the Covenant. And when the Ark of the Covenant was over there, Edom's house. And when David got it back, he, he danced out of his clothes. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation. When, when he got the presence of God back, he, he just danced. When, when, when you admit your brokenness before loving God and you come to him and you say, Lord, restore the joy of my salvation. You, you, we, we get complacent. When, when you first got saved, you wanted to talk to everybody that came down the street. Let me tell you what the Lord did for me. Now people on your job want to know if you even know him. We restore the joy that I once had. And uphold me with your free spirit. Guide me once again through your, your spirit. Let me to know wisdom. Lead me, God. Keep convicting me of sin. Talk to me even before I get there. That's why John, John says in First John chapter 2, little children, I write to you that you sin not. But if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ, who is our propitiation for sin. And not only ours, but the sins of the world. When I'm restored, then I can be a witness to sin. When, when I'm restored, when, when the Lord do a work in me, then I'm ready for service. I'm ready for service. I, I've been broken, and I've been molded back together, and now I'm ready for service. Look what he says in 13 and 17. Then will I teach transgressors of labor. And sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltiness. O God, thou God of my salvation. And my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open my lips. And my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thy desire not sacrifice. Else I would have given Thou delight not in burn off. The sacrifices of God are a broken heart and a contrite heart. A broken and contrite heart. God will not despise. Go, go, go back. Come on. He says, when, when you do a work on me, Others won't see it. When, when I come to my brokenness and reach out to God and allow God to restore me, others won't see it. And then I'm going to be able to tell others and teach others. Praise God. 
and sinners are going to be converted. Deliver me from this blood guilt. Because sin has left this guilty conscience in me. And it just keeps playing back over and over in my mind. Here's the part. Says, open my mouth. Open my lips and my mouth shall sing your praises. When you, when you do this work in me, I want you not only to do the work, I want you to open my mouth. I, I, want, I want you to open my mouth that I might tell of your goodness and of your grace. Because God has been good to me. And just listen to some of the things. He says in verse 1, have mercy on me. Wash me. Purge me. Make me. Create in me. Deliver me. Restore me. God, you've got to do something in me. I, I can't do it on my own. I've I seen what I can do. And what I can do left me broken. Left me broken. Broken is a good place to be. Because now I can say, restore me. Before I came to brokenness, I thought I was doing something. Sitting on a show. But I heard him. Oh, I need you to restore me. I need you to watch me. I need you to create in me something new. He said, if I desire sacrifices, I would have given it. If I could have did something on my own, if I could have gave more money, I'd have gave it. If I could have did more acts of service, I would have done it. If I could have been nicer to my wife, I would have done it. But if I would spoil my daughter a little more, I would have done it. Because the sacrifices of God is a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. That's what God wants to see. He says, you, you, you keep coming here bringing your, your stuff, what you think God wants, and God ain't happy with it. God ain't happy. You just having church. Turn to Isaiah chapter 1. Look, look what God says about your efforts. Verses 10 19. Hear the word of the Lord, ye rulers of Sodom, and give ear to the law of our God, ye people of Gomorrah. He's talking about Israel. Solomon and Gomorrah is long gone. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of burnt offerings of ram and a fat of dead beasts, and delight not in the blood of bullocks and lambs, and he goes. When you come to appear before me, who has required this, that at your hand, you tread my court, 
You defile my court. You defile my house. Bring no more of your vain obligations. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons and the Sabbath, the calling of an assembly, I cannot away with. It is an iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feast, my soul hates. They are a trouble unto me, my very bear them. And when ye spread forth your hands, you hide, I hide my eyes from you. Yea, when, when you make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Wash you and make you clean. Put away the evil of your doing from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn not. Learn to do well. Seek judgment. Relieve the oppressed. Judge the fatherless. Plead for the widow. Come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red as crimson, I would make them as a poor. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. If you come to your brokenness, Stop coming in here with your makeup stuff. God wants a broken heart, an obedient servant. He, he don't need your stuff. Last week they said the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, the world and they that dwell therein. He don't need your stuff. Restore the joy of my salvation. And sinners are going to come. Because of my brokenness. And my willingness to be vulnerable enough to tell you I'm a broken man. Sinners are going to come. But now, listen. And I, David ain't satisfied with just him being clean. Him being restored. He, he wanted the whole household to be still. He wanted Israel to be still. He, he, me, Pastor Dave, and, and, and Marquise were talking Thursday. And we came to this, we were in the scriptures, and we came to this one text where it says that he was saved and his whole household was saved. We had this big conversation about well, because I didn't say it necessarily means that my house gets saved. But we do realize that you have some influence on your house. So David's not only concerned about him being saved, but he wants Jerusalem saved, the whole house. I just don't want my me to be saved, but I do want my household to saved. Although it ain't for two of us in there now. <laughs> but not only that house, I want this house to be, be restored, to know the joy of their salvation. That's what he says. Then we can have real church. We, we can have unhindered worship when we all come in here broken and say, Lord, do something in me. Create in me. Restore me. I surrender all to him. He says, come now. Back to the text, Mark, I'm sorry. Psalm 51. Verses 18 and 19. Do good in thy good pleasure unto Zion. Zion is where they met. Zion is where he had church, where he had worship. 
He said, they only restore me, restore Zion. All of us. Do a work in him and her and him. Build the walls of Jerusalem. Then thou shalt be pleased with our sacrifices of righteousness with burnt off and with burnt off, whole burnt off. Then shall they offer full ox upon the altar. Then we can have church when we come in here broken and asking the Lord to do something new in us, to restore us, to save us, to create a new heart in us. Brokenness is an appropriate place to be in. Because sin destroys us. And we need God to create something new. He needs us to do a new work. Romans 8, Romans 12, 1 says, I beseech you therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, present your Bodies, a living sacrifice. Stop throwing a couple of dollars and a little service now and then. And come in here, surrender to the Lord and let him use you where he sees fit. Create in me a new heart. It's mighty quiet in here. I, 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 I engaged myself technically this morning. <laughs> but that's what we need to see. That's what God wants to see in us. And that's what he requires from us. That we acknowledge our sin. And that it, it, it breaks us. And that is ever before us. That's why John says, I write to you that you sin not. Because he knows that it's going to create that memory. That, that DVD is just going to keep playing in your mind. So come to him. Surrender. There's room. Come to him. He says, come, let us reason together. Though your sins be as many, be scarlet, I'd make them white as snow. Come, let us reason together. You've seen what you can do with your life. Why not give him a chance to straighten it out? Amen? Bless you.